New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. When our health is being challenged, most often we want a diagnosis. We want a pill or a treatment and preferably a quick fix. So we seek out a specialist who attends our specific area of dis-ease. Today, we'll be exploring energy medicine that offers tools to help heal, build resilience, and to go beyond merely the healing of illness. It allows us to inhabit our body as a full participant in co-creating more conscious choices about what kind of relationship we want with our body, mind, and spirit. Today we'll be learning what energy medicine is with our guest, Dr. Ellen Meredith. Ellen Meredith is a medical intuitive energy healer, teacher, and writer. She's been in practice since 1984 and is an Eden Energy Medicine Advanced Practitioner who served on Donna Eden's faculty and offers online courses through the Shift Network and other forums. Dr. Ellen Meredith is the author of Listening In, Dialogues with the Wiser Self. Also, The Language Your Body Speaks, Self-Healing with Energy Medicine, and Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. So please do join us for the next hours. We explore practical tools to enlist your body's wisdom for healing and optimum wellness with our guest, Dr. Ellen Meredith. I'm speaking with Ellen from her home by remote connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Ellen, welcome. Thank you, Justine. I'm really, really excited to speak with you today. I'm excited to have you on today because this is such an important subject, I think, and one that is misunderstood or one that people really don't know that's available to us. So first of all, I'd like to talk about when you first got into energy medicine. Tell us about the councils that first appeared to you. Okay. Um, I 
have maybe an unusual background for some, you know, a little different from some people and that I was originally taught by my inner teachers who I call my counsels. And um, I was in my late teens when they kind of showed up in my, in my head. I wasn't, I didn't know anything about channeling or inner guidance and it just awoke within me. Um, I am a writer, so I was always listening and I got surprised one day when I started to hear first my grandmother, who was dead, and then um, she introduced me to my counsels, my guides. And so I've been in training with them for probably 50 years now. And um, what happened was that they put me through an entire curriculum that wasn't so much about what information they gave me. A lot of times we think channeling is getting information from another place. But it was really about putting my mind and understanding in, into a certain perspectives, into certain frameworks, seeing the world with a different lens or focus over and over, and then understanding my experience and the experience of the world around me from that perspective. And I didn't set out to be a channel and I didn't set out to be a healer at all. It just unfolded. And um, at one point, my inner teachers, my counsels came through and they said, you're going to get you're going to move to California. You're going to get very ill. And in the process of healing, you're going to learn how to be a healer. And what I heard in that message was, you're going to move to California. (laughs) Be like, oh, that sounds good. And I ignored the second part, which didn't sound that interesting to me. But in fact, it did happen. I did move to California. I got quite ill. And through a, a series of coincidences, ended up with a um, working with an alternative or complementary practitioner. And I learned as she worked on me that I could see what was going on in my own body. I could look at, at uh, supplements and see which one I needed. And it was a, a skill set I didn't know I had because I never thought to ask. And I tell this story because I think many, many people have this skill set and they don't think to ask. And um, so once I healed, the practitioner asked me to work in her office as a medical intuitive, and it took off from there. And I've been in practice for almost 40 years now. So I've worked with over 10,000 clients, but the focus is always, how do you heal yourself? How do you find your own inner truth, your own inner wisdom, your own inner guidance, your own ability to perceive energies? And that's what all three of my books address, and particularly the, the most recent one, your body will show you the way, is really focused on how can I activate this instrument and the inner guidance system that's in every fiber of my being. I know that you really talk about like healing and adapting to change, which we're all having to deal with in tremendous ways right now. And you say, first and foremost, it's a communication task. Yes, it is. You know, we live in a crazy world that asks us to see ourselves as a bag of chemicals. You know, that we're, we, our medicine is very oriented towards chemistry. And it's true, the body uses chemistry to communicate. But even under that, the body uses energy and subtle energy to communicate. The body, mind, and spirit, all three, use subtle energy. And so if you want to heal, and unless you're you're a genius chemist, and even then it's hard. Speaking the language of chemistry doesn't get at how to um, 
invite wellness into how your energies interact. But if you work with the energy, everything you know about communication becomes a healing tool. And therefore, we're all already excellent healers because we all speak a language fluently, which is, you know, in many cases here, English, because I'm speaking English. And we all know a lot about what it takes to build relationship through communication. And we can bring that whole skill set for self-healing, but also to cultivate wellness. Because I think we need to get past, you know, I'm sick and how do I fix it to how can I cultivate wellness in my body and my mind and my spirit? You use the term, we have to learn to speak energy. Like we might have to learn to speak Italian or Spanish or whatever other language. So you're saying we need to learn to speak energy. So that energy, that language, Ellen, is it unique for each one of us? I mean, it's not like you you have a book that says, okay, this means this and this means <laughs> this, and here's the definition of this one and that, blah, blah. It's not like that, is it? Well, not quite. There are some common things that... that that work for each person. And then there's some common uh, individual code, I call it, or private code, um, vocabulary that's meaningful to each of us individually. And when I say speak energy as a language, it's very multidimensional. It includes sound and movement and gesture and feeling or touch and scent and, you know, all of the senses, direct knowing and um, the intuition that tells us how to, how to navigate in a crowded room. All of the things that we use in our everyday life to get around, that's part of the vocabulary of the language of energy that we can remember because we all knew it when we were young kids. We can remember and, and, um, sort of regain the ability to speak energy to energy, to to communicate with our bodies in the language the body really understands. And also the way that we receive, I, I think, energy, uh, the, these energetic messages. Some of us uh, maybe are more auditory. Some of us are more tactile, you know. I mean, yeah. it is that kind of learning the syntax of the way we receive the messages? Absolutely. It's about learning how your own instrument works. And, you know, nobody told me when I was developing these abilities that you had to limit yourself to one. So I really use all of them. You know, why not? I, you know, I I can occasionally smell something and, and think, wait, what am I smelling? And I realize it's a message from my body or or for, from another dimension of myself to pay attention to this or that. And so what I try to do in teaching the language of energy is build on what people already do and already know and make it individualized and fun. I, I don't give you vocabulary lists and, and grammar exercises because that's a <laughs> deadly way. It's more about... Um, we speak language to encode our meaning, right? We we right. say something because we want to encapsulate something that's meaningful to us. Like a little baby, the first word, those holo phrases that are one word sentences, will say ba, and it means bottle, but it means much more than bottle. It's the whole feeding experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at what are what are the expressions of meaning 
or how do we codify meaning and communicate it within ourselves? And how can we communicate with our bodies using um, vocabulary that's meaningful to us? And often that is touch and gesture and, um, you know, and um, invoking certain uh, qualities, you know, like love. And when, when I said that some, some of the vocabulary is common, for example, the heart shape seems to be common around the world. Like, you know, everybody's doing little heart shapes in the air and everybody else knows what it means, even if they don't speak English or whatever language is, is being shared. Or if we want to express love, we tap our, our chest where our heart right, is. Right, right. Yeah. And there's lots of gestures that automatically speak to our energies. When you put your hand to your forehead, you're automatically speaking to certain energy systems. So part of my work is to make people more aware of how the subtle energies communicate and how you can participate more um, consciously and um, more effectively within your co-creation. When I say the co-creation of self, you know, I believe we're made of energies, right? And we, we communicate using energies. So how do I participate in that ongoing conversation that's happening just under the surface of my awareness. I know that you talk about in your work, there are two kinds of thinking. Uh, there's the outside in kind of thinking, or you call it yang kind of thinking, and the inside out thinking, which is more of the yin. One is more binary and one is less binary. So I'd like to talk about that in just one moment, but I want to remind our listeners that I am here with Dr. Ellen Meredith, and she's the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. If you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, ellenmeredith.com. And she spells Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, ellenmeredith.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Ellen Meredith, and we're talking about energy medicine, how to communicate with our body and listen to it and even do healing. But before we get into that, I, I we want to talk about outside-in thinking, yang thinking, binary thinking, versus inside-out 
thinking, yin, beyond the binary. So help us to understand what you mean by that. Okay. I think most of our listeners here have noticed that there's a lot of change going on. And like many people, I believe that it's a very large change. It's a sea change rather than just a shift in some of the details of our world. And and so how I characterize the change we're going through is we are shifting from being really focused uh, from the outside in, where we really value objective knowing and objective views, even of ourselves, like how we look to other people. And instead, or in addition, we bring up what I call the empowered yin, or the inner knowing that can guide us, the, the source of inner wisdom that can guide us. And when you go inward and get your information inside, it puts you in touch with your commonality with all of humanity. So it's not about just going inside and being self-centered. It is about learning how to center in the self to become a more effective instrument in the world. I know that you say there is no such thing as human as a human freestanding unit. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that phrase. It sort of popped out at me uh, that we're not freestanding units walking around. Yeah, we absolutely are not. And you know, if you if you look at a tree, it looks like a freestanding unit, but you know it's got roots, and you know its roots interspersed with the roots of other plants and and other trees and and communicate. And we too are have. Are part of a swarm. We're like the bees and the porpoises and, and the birds in that we have a communication system that we par participate in all the time. And our culture teaches us not to be aware. And that's part of that outside in culture of um, separation. And the inside out culture is more the culture of integration, recognizing our, our shared um, connections. But part of that, too, I think, Ellen, might be that that we are what we see. <laughs> not, it's true. So, not what we are, but we, we see ourselves standing as individuals. So we, right. we don't see that root. We don't see those energies that are all interconnecting and happening all the time, and which, right. which you have the facility to, to see. So I just feel that that's part of what makes us think that we are separate, and yet we really are not. I wanted to ask you, um, in so far as being interconnected and seeing energies, and I know that you have wonderful exercises in the book of just how to do that. You have very detailed exercises, and I, I've done quite a few of them, and they're very, very uh, impressive. But what is your advice for uh, people who are entering these, or at least endeavoring to enter these streams of energy, and nothing is happening they see, feel, and experience nothing. What, what's, what's your advice? <laughs> That's a great, a great question. And I do get asked that quite a bit in classes. Um, we have to recognize that m most of us have been strongly socialized to ignore our subtle energies. 
as babies, we do perceive them and the world around us tells us not to. In fact, if you think about babies, they babble every sound of every language. And then we drop out the sounds that aren't reinforced. And the same thing happens with our energies is that we we perceive all the subtle energies. And then when they aren't reinforced in our environment, they drop out. So someone who gets nothing is someone who's been very effectively socialized. And then your um, goal is to re-socialize yourself with maybe a larger purpose of opening to all of your abilities. And in the meantime, if you go in, you know, in the book, I, I have people, um, I talk about a concept called entering the stream, which is about instead of looking at an energy from outside or working on it by holding points on the surface, drop down, say, into a meridian or a chakra to really experience what's there. And so I do have a lot of suggestions in the book of what you can do. But the first suggestion is accept nothingness as the message. In that moment, when you get nothing, nothing is your message. And what does that say to you um, about the question you're asking or the thing you're pursuing? Sometimes we have to go to zero to reset ourselves. And the nothingness is a wonderful gift because it means you're not getting your your parents putting you down or you're not getting those other kids making fun of you. So in that sense, nothingness can be a real gift. The other thing is that... Can I say something about nothingness? I, I think one of your suggestions is to go fishing, to wait for yes. the fish to show up, so to right. speak. And yeah, let me tell about that exercise because I think it's a good one for someone who tends to get nothing. Um, we do expect immediate gratification in our culture. Most of us, if it can't happen quickly, if we can't be fast, 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 we we give up or we move on. And many, many, many of us, I guess at least 70% of us work better at a slower pace. The pace of modern life is too fast for many of us. And you can do assess that for yourself. You can sort of say what, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how fast is my life? You know, how fast do I live? And what 10 is very, very busy and fast and zero is nearly comatose. And then you can ask, what would my natural pace be if I could, you know, wave my magic wand and live at the pace that feels best for me? And that'll give you a little bit of way to assess how much off my pace am I? So with fishing in the chakras, chakras are swirling disks of energy. Most people have heard of them and you can look them up on the internet, but they often carry a lot of uh, our, our learned experience. We store stuff. They're like um, filing cabinets or something. And it's a great place to seek insight for questions or or things we want to know more about. So you can say, you know, give me insight into, fill in the blank, whatever you want to know more about. And you can take a fishing line, an imaginary fishing line, and just drop it in to the ch one of your chakras and wait for some fish to bite. See what comes up. It's not a fish usually. And the other day, I didn't know what was going on. I said, give me insight into why I'm in such a bad mood. And I, I stuck, uh, you know, I went fishing in my my uh, solar plexus chakra because I was feeling tightness there. And I thought, well, maybe there's something there. And I pulled up a full box of Kleenex. And what that said, I thought, oh, okay, there you go. What that said to me is that I, I was 
needing to have a good cry. I was needing to allow some sadness to move through me, to really either cry it out, sneeze it out, do something to let it get out of my system. You know, it was a symbolic dialogue I had with my, my energies. They gave me an image. I could throw the line in and get um, a chill all over my body and feel like, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling chilled. Is that fear or is that excitement? What is that chill I'm feeling? How would I interpret it? Because as you say, vocabulary is individual. You know, I'm reminded of, um, you, you said earlier, when you, you would smell something, you use that sensory of smell. And I know that you have something called your sniffer dogs. Oh, yes. And so uh, this is a technique that you use. And I believe you have an example of someone who hurt her ankle and it was all cured and healed and everything was fine, but she was still limping. Yes. Um, actually, um, <laughs> that's kind of mixing two different things. Um, but let me talk about the sniffer dog first, and then I can talk about the, the person limping. Um I always used to see those sniffer dogs in the airport, you know, the ones that are looking for contraband and all your all in the suitcase, thinking, what a bad use of dogs. Why don't we teach them to sniff for good stuff? You know, why are we always having them look for bad stuff? And so I thought, if I want to know, if I have a headache and I want to know where that headache's coming from, a lot of times it's not coming from my head. It's coming from somewhere else in my body or in my mind or in my life in general. And so I thought, well, if I send a sniffer dog out to show me where is this, um, where is this illness or this this um, problem emanating from, I can get more insight into how to address it. So I've got my little sniffer dog, and I send send her out, and she will run to the place where that issue emanates for me. And often she will show me something. I sometimes ask her for a gift. Um, you know, show me a gift or give me something that I can work with. Bring back a bone for you. <laughs> right, she'll bring something back. And I, the other day I did it and she went and um, she was rolling in this field of clovers. And I have a, mine's a beagle. It doesn't even have to be a dog, but mine's a little beagle. And I'm thinking, what is that about? Do I need to, you know, look for a four-leaf clover to get good luck? And then I thought, and the, the dog rolled its eyes like, no, stupid. These are three-leaf clovers. And I thought, oh, yeah, she's showing me a bed of clover that all of this rich green stuff, I don't have to look for the special good luck charm. The clover itself is wonderful on its own terms. And that was about just appreciating what's there rather than looking for the special prize that, you know, that is so rare. And that was a message from my stiffer dog in that moment. Um, yeah. So I can talk about the, the ankle or we can just. Well, uh, well, since I mentioned it, I think our listeners would like to know what, what was that and how did you ha help her with her uh, injury and her further limping even after it was uh, cured. Yeah, it is. what happens is that when we go for Western medicine, they have a limited set of tools that are wonderful when they're the right tools for the job. 
And when they run out of their tools, they tell you there's nothing wrong. It's all in your head, et cetera. So this woman had broken her ankle. It had healed. It looked great on the x-ray, but she still was swollen and she still couldn't walk. And what we discovered together, I noticed, I looked at it and I noticed that there were these lights, these colored lights coming out of her foot going into the earth. And they were supposed to be meeting up with other lights and they weren't. And it looked like sonar to me. So I said, let's see if we can adjust that. It looked like what's called a sonar ring, which, which is a, a, a round thing that sends out sonar. So I said, let's see if we can adjust it. So, you know, I had her breathe in and I adjusted her sonar ring to match the one on her other foot. And it, it went back into place. And then while we were just sitting there, the swelling went down. She took a few steps. She said, the pain is absolutely gone. And we were both kind of blown over, like, what is this? What is this? And what it was, was um, an energy system that, that I was just discovering called the sonar rings, which I teach in the book. I'm here with Ellen Meredith, and she is the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Ellen Meredith. She's the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. And I know one of the wonderful techniques that you share with us is that it's the naming of your dis-ease, uh, talking to it and giving it an actual name. So uh, describe that to us. I, I found this delightful and I shared it with my sister and she also found it very, very delightful and it was very effective. Okay, great. Well, um, names carry a lot of baggage. If someone tells you you have cancer, you know, most of us, our minds go right to, oh my God, I'm going to die. What's going on? We have so many associations with, with the names that we share and the diagnoses. We look them up on the internet and they tell us all these terrible things about what we've been diagnosed with. And that's a very outside in way of understanding our reality, as opposed to what are the dynamics of what's going on for me right now? So one way that you can get past that is ask the situation for a name. I don't assign the name. I ask it to tell me, what is your name? And I had years and years of migraines, daily migraines. And so I would ask each migraine, well, who are you? Who's here today? It would give me a name. A name would pop into my head. And they don't, you know, they don't have to be glorious, totally symbolic names. It could be Fred or Butt Thump or, you know, any kind of name that comes to mind. But what happens is that when you dialogue with Fred, Fred can tell you about his um, who he is and what the dynamics are and, and what he needs from you in this moment by moment by moment. And it takes you out of that outside in objectifying of your experience to say, how can I build relationship and make Fred a teacher rather than a plague? And too often when we've got pain, you know, the migraines, they were not fun. 
But every time I called them a plague, I was digging myself deeper into seeing them as something I had to get rid of, whereas they're all illness and all um, symptoms are a message from one part of the self to the other for something we need to attend to in the dynamics of creating a self. So when you can turn it around and let Fred or Butt Thump be your teacher and have interactions and fun and play with it, what will happen is over time, you will be guided to a different understanding. And again, that brings up that point you raised earlier, which is we need to get past needing the right answer right away, getting all or nothing and say, can I like a jigsaw puzzle, get one piece at a time and start to fit things together and be a detective for my own well-being and begin to um, see myself as as the author of my own life. I want to be writing the story of my life as I go. And I can do several drafts. I don't have to know right away how the whole thing's going to come out or all the twists in the plot. I need to make a fullness of experience right here where I am. And I can't do that if I'm applying someone else's drama, which usually comes with the name. So that's why I suggest, you know, it's, it's a chapter called Rename, Reframe, and reclaim. I'm thinking uh, writers of fiction, when they start off, if they're really good, they start to listen to the characters they're writing. They're, they haven't figured them out totally. They let themselves be guided by the characters themselves, even though they're fictional. So that's kind of the technique you're talking about here, is that you're letting these characters give them names and then they start to guide us as, as we ask, we say, okay, um, show me one thing uh, you need right now uh, or give me an insight or you encourage us to play with the situation. And this takes me to um, something that is really key, I think, in, in your book, at least for me, it was, are the six dynamics, energy dynamics that we need to communicate with. And, and the first and foremost, I think, is, is the gatekeeper energy. And you talk about how we need to befriend it, but it, it's a powerful energy, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the gatekeeper is essentially the part of us that keeps the gates of self that keeps us here in body, that says, this is me, this is not me, this can come in, this has to stay out, this is safe, this is not safe, which is essentially the immune system, right? It's the physical immune system, but also the emotional, energetic, spiritual immune system keeps the gates of self. And if it's an enemy, if it's someone who's always, you know, feeling like we're being attacked by our own protective uh, mechanism, then we're embattled with ourselves. So I'm a big believer in how do I um, work with my gatekeeper to have a good relationship, but also the gatekeeper is designed to learn from experience. I mean, when you have a difficult experience when you're three years old, the gatekeeper learns next time you have a, an experience like that, don't do it. You know, the, the um, babysitter comes in and swings you around and scares you to death you're going to start to feel aversion next time you see someone with long, dark hair like the babysitter or who has the same perfume as the babysitter because your gatekeeper learns how to navigate what's safe and what isn't 
through experience. So by the time we're ripe old age of anything over 20, we've got reactivity up the wazoo from these earlier experiences that our young self interpreted falsely. You know, maybe the babysitter wasn't dangerous at all. She was just not paying attention to the fact that we weren't happy in that moment. And so we really need to learn how to um, retrain and um, sort of reset the gatekeeper and, and give it new experiences and new ways of reacting to our environment so that we can calm all that sensitivity and reactivity. I know that one of the things that you say that um, the gatekeeper does, and this was more difficult, I think, for me, is like they maintain our habits. Yes. And so if we want to change a habit, let's say the habit of smoking or the habit of overeating or whatever it is, this is we've got to overcome. How, how can we work with our gatekeeper in those situations? Well, the book, all the books are chock full of exercises for working with the gatekeeper because the gatekeeper gets on to you. And if you use the same exercise over and over, they start to ignore it. <laughs> so it's really good to um, to shift it. But but the initial thing to do is to come home to the self, to be really physically present for yourself. Put your hands on your body somewhere and just breathe and be calm and um, I've just got a whole lot of things. For example, you can breathe and just tap your foot in a very comfortable rhythm. And often that starts to calm the gatekeeper down. It gives it kind of a measured baseline to react to. You can um, put one hand on your forehead and one on the back of your head, which is a Donna Eden exercise. And I offer a lot of different ways in the book. I, I, it's hard to do on the radio to show them, but um, I think, you know, tapping the foot or um, intersperse both hands and place it, place them over your heart. So the fingers of both hands are interspersed. Place that over your heart. That will pretty quickly calm down your gatekeeper. That's great. I, I love that. And you mentioned the breath. You mentioned the breath and you also talk about the breath as teacher, and, and the breath is is quite um, magical, energetic, uh, available to us all the time. So there's one exercise you talk about, let the earth breathe you. Yeah, yeah. This was something that my, it, my counsels taught me years ago. I had a very reactive gatekeeper and I would go into all kinds of, um, oh, just upset and reactivity and moodiness and hormone shifts and you name it. My gatekeeper's a drama queen. I love her, but she's a drama queen. And um, one thing they taught me to do is just lie down on the earth if I could or on the floor or even on my bed and imagine the earth holding her and just let go until I could feel the earth doing the breathing. Kind of like as a baby when you were lying on your mother's chest and you just aligned yourself with mom's breath in and out. And um so if you can do that, what happens is it resets all the rhythms of the body, which deeply calms your gatekeeper, deeply. So that's a, a wonderful exercise that doesn't take a lot of technical skill. I think that that takes us to another uh, of those energy 
dynamics, so to speak. Yes. And that has to do, and you kind of mentioned it, grounding and anchoring, and you call it rooting, like like trees, they root down into the earth. So that's another important energetic that we need to be aware of, of is the grounding and anchoring, stabilizing energy. Right. And we talk a lot, you know, especially in new age circles about, you know, you've got to get grounded, you've got to get grounded. And, you know, we visualize ourselves as trees sending out roots. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a lovely exercise. But if you unpack the concept of grounding, think about a grounding wire, it wicks off excess, right? So we need to know how do I wick off the excess? The, the roots you send down, they bring up nourishment. How do I bring up nourishment? And what nourishment is it that I'm trying to bring up? Um, we think about anchoring. It's a form of grounding the boat so it doesn't float away. What do I anchor in? You know, is it the morning coffee or the morning ritual? Is it my partner or someone I've got a crush on? Is it some idea I have about society? What are my anchors? And then the fourth aspect of, of grounding is centering. If we can ground in our own spine, in our energetic spine, and center into who we really are um, in our core, then we don't get so buffeted by the winds of change. So I, I explore these four aspects in great detail. And, and uh, could could we talk about grounding in in terms of the electricity, like? A lightning rod. I know my right. grandmother's house had lightning rods in our house, and and it would ground that. It would take that excess static and yeah, 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 energy and put it to ground. Right, right. And I feel that we need to learn how to do that when we talk about grounding and we just put our roots down in the earth. We're not necessarily attending to all the excess in us that needs to be moved out in some way. And often I invite people to make a gesture of grounding, make it up. So make it up and make it up. And I know that another one that you talk about is in that grounding, it helps us to avoid being triggered. Yes, all the all the different aspects that I talk about are interrelated. If you're not grounded, your gatekeeper is going to be triggered all the time. You know, it's just like if the if your um, vacuum cleaner isn't plugged fully into the wall, it's going to stutter and not really clean your rug. And we're the same way. If we aren't fully plugged into our own being, grounded in our own being, um, we feel insecure and we get we stutter. We <laughs> so. I'm here with Dr. Ellen Meredith, and she is the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, ellenmeredith.com, and she spells her last name M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, ellenmeredith.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Dr. Ellen Meredith, and she's the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way. And Ellen, we're talking about energy dynamics, six of them, and we've talked about a couple of them. And there are maybe four others that maybe you could briefly go through and give us an idea of what they are and some explanation of them. Absolutely. So the third one that I I go into is called, I call it coherence. And it's essentially the glue, what holds us together. Because too often we go to a doctor and they say, no, all your organs are working. And they are, they're just not working together. So what can we do energetically to get our our energies humming and working together? That's coherence. And um, one quick way to do it is sing a scale up and down. So just La 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 Crazy enough, that just brings the glue to bring coherence to all your energy systems. The next one is what I call flow. And that's about energies working the way they're designed to work. Our energies are designed to move and they're designed to flow and they flow in patterns. It's not it's not a Jackson Pollock painting. It's not random. It really does have a rhyme and reason to it. So when we understand a little more about the rhyme and reason of how our energies move, we can support those movements with gesture, with how we move, with how we interact with our various um, subtle energies. So that's what flow is all about. May I ask you about flow? Because I I think that here, I'd love for you to mention something about water as as medicine, water as teacher, because water is so important to our bodies and to our planet. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we're made, our makeup is water. It's different percentages for different body parts, but you know, 60 to 70% of us is water and the same with the planet. And it, it is the part of us that is about flow and movement. You think about the blood and the energy streams and the water. And one interesting thing about flow is that water needs a container if it doesn't, isn't going to just dissipate and disappear. It needs the, the river banks. It needs the, the seabed. It needs the, the glass to hold the water. And so part of allowing and supporting your energy flow is also working with containers. And I, I have a whole lot of information about how to work with energy containers. And I think it's something that we don't talk enough about. We talk about how to get things moving or flowing but not whether the stream banks can hold the river. And I think, um, so I teach people how to look at that as well. That's such a good point that you're making that that it's more than just circulation happens and movement happens, but how are we going to direct that in some way? Right. And so, you know, throughout the book, I have these guided visits where we drop into the various energy streams and learn how to work on them like you would um, rehabilitate a, a stream that was not working well. And, and, you know, how do you get the boulders out and um, and how do you uh, get those overhanging branches to stop, you know, impeding the flow? And I think it's a fun way to work with with that. Um Let me go to the last two, just so I don't leave them out, the last two aspects. Um, The fifth one is exchange with the world. As you pointed out earlier, we aren't freestanding units. 
And because we have a constant energetic exchange with the world, we have to know how to work with that. I'm always asked, how do I keep myself safe? How do I keep other people's energies out? And I think it's more than just protection. I think it is about more skillful web working, working with the web of connections that we're part of. And I have lots of fun techniques for how to um, enhance and improve those energetic connections that we have so that our um, participation in the web of connections is fruitful and um, wholesome and joyous rather than feeling attacked all the time by other people's energies, which many of us who are sensitive end up feeling. And then the last, or the last, it's the sixth area that I go into in some depth is what I call radiance. And that's basically your soul juice, right? That's what animates us or brings us alive. And if we can learn how to call up more radiance and and call up radiance where it's needed, as it's needed to serve us in constructing more wellness within us, more well-being in our life and in our mind and in our um, activities, then we've got the energy we need to do whatever we want to do. And, and the radiance, it's not this just generic thing from out there. We There's so many different flavors of energy that can feed us and nourish us. And, and we're blind to a lot of them. So how can we cultivate the nourishment, the energy feeds that speak to our own body, our own mind, our own spirit, and our own yearning to express ourselves and express the music of our souls on the instrument of our body. And I, you know, I feel like um, it, the radiance work is something that we often do in absentia from the others. You know, we, we go and do spiritual work and we have this fabulous meditation cushion time. And then we go out to the grocery store and we forget everything we learned on the cushion because our habits in the grocery store are more gatekeeper or, or we lose our glue and, and lose our coherence. So the other question is, how do we bring all these together as, as an integrated skill set so that we know how to converse fluently with our own energies? I recall that there are people who seem to have a kind of natural radiance. They walk in the room and they are just glowing. Yes. And even with certain children, they just are exuding that kind of radiance. So what is the difference between some who have that natural ability and seem to exude it and those who don't? Well, a lot of us had it programmed out of us because of school or because of sibling rivalry or because of um, careless parenting or um, even the media, you know, that notion that, you know, you shouldn't make a lot of noise, you know, you should be seen and not heard, you shouldn't ever touch yourself or show pleasure in public, you know, all the ways we're kind of hemmed in by social mores. For some people that that dims their light. I personally think that the education system has a lot to answer for that, you know, if you're going to put 30 children in a room and have them all try to learn the same thing and learn it abstractly, not even with real objects to interact with, you're going to kill the juice for a good 29 of those students whose natural way of understanding the world is more physical or more active or, or 
uses a different mode of learning than what's what's on offer in the schools. So I think a lot of us, our, our light gets dimmed because we get so frustrated. We can't express our truth. The tools given to us don't fit the juice we come in with. But, you know, most of us who are grownups, we're parenting ourselves at this point. We get to change some of those environments and um, messages and and practices and say, what's my art form? What, you know, what allows me to most fully express my radiance? And I think, you know, I encourage people to play with energy medicine, play with all these tools I give you. And I encourage you not to work on yourself and try to fix yourself and buy into the the question in our culture of what's wrong? How do I fix it? We have to ask better questions. We have to ask what's needed and how can I cultivate it? I think that the real message, the overall message that I get from you, Ellen, is we need to show up for ourselves. Right, right. Yeah, if I'm not very nice to myself, how can I complain if other people aren't, you know, or if I'm not getting what I need in the world? So um, I do believe that, you know, it is my job first to make this instrument um, sing, you know, make this instrument express itself. And, you know, when I can't, I can go to helpers, but their job is to help me find my own truth, not to kind of take in their program of seven points and do it you know, and have discipline. When someone else is telling you, you have to have all this discipline, I'm thinking, no, you're not telling them to listen to and follow their own truth. You're telling them to do yet one more program that they're probably going to fail at. And I don't think that's a service. So, you know, we have to, we have to reclaim authorship of our own lives in order to really thrive in these changing times. I really believe that the earth is forcing us to each wake up to what we bring to the collective weave and to celebrate it. And it's all different. We're not generic. We're not, all human beings aren't the same. We're amazingly unique and individual and different. And how can we weave together something collectively beautiful? Well, it starts by what thread do you want to put into the weave or threads do you want to put into the weave? Beautifully said, beautifully said. And You've just given us so much to contemplate and to take into our energy field and to to ask ourselves these beautiful questions and to you've given us a great guide, I must say, Ellen, today. Just a little bit of diving into what energy medicine is all about and it's beyond just the treating of illness and disease, but it's it's more than that. It's making us whole in so many ways. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been a delight to speak with you. I've been speaking with Dr. Ellen Meredith, and she is the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. And if you want to be in touch with her, you can go to her website and go to ellenmeredith.com. And she spells her last name M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, ellenmeredith.com. Or you can get that through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions.
This is program number 3776. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.